Welcome to the Faith Talk podcast. We're excited you are listening today. Prepare to be challenged and inspired through today's episode. We pray that every fear is dispelled and your faith is increased as you hear the word of God. Now, let's listen in with our host, Caleb Schaefer. I want to read to you from Philippians chapter 3 tonight. We're going to start at verse 12. It says this, not that I have already obtained or have already been perfected, but I follow after it so that I may lay hold of that which for I was seized by Jesus Christ. Brothers, I do not count myself to have attained, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and pressing forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal of the prize of the high calling of God in Jesus Christ. That's Philippians 3. 12 through 14 Philippians 3 12 through 14 he says I am not there yet but I'm working towards it I'm pressing towards the mark of the high calling in God and he said that it was something that he had to work towards he said it was something that he had to work towards this is something that we have got to make an effort. He said he's got to forget those things that are behind and reach forward. And so we have got to make an effort for the things that we receive in the Spirit. We've got to make an effort for the things that we receive in the Spirit. Salvation is a free gift. Salvation is a free gift. But nearly everything else in the Spirit is going to cost you something. Salvation's a free gift. Healing's a free gift. The things that Jesus paid for at the cross that we can just receive. But if we're going to take ground in the Spirit, it's going to take work. It's going to take work. And I love what Pastor Parsley says because he says the proof of the desire is in the pursuit. The proof of your desire is in your pursuit of something. The more you pursue something, the more you desire it, and it becomes apparent. You can say you want something all you want, but if you don't go get it, you don't have it. And so the proof how much you want it, how much you want something, is based on your desire, your pursuit to go get it. If I say that after this service, I want an ice cream cone. If I say that, but I don't go get an ice cream cone, you're all going to look at me and say, you didn't really want an ice cream cone. Or you would have gone and gotten one. And it's the same way in this life, in the spirit. The more we want something, our pursuit will show evidence of that. We will chase after the things that we want. We will chase after the things that we desire. If you want God in your life badly enough, you'll make whatever changes are necessary to get him into your life. It all has to do with our desire. And desire is not something that we can measure outwardly, but it shows outwardly through our pursuit of what we desire. 
desire, if you say, you know what, I'd really like to learn to play the violin and you don't ever go take a violin lesson, guess what? You didn't really want to learn to play the violin because you didn't pursue that thing that you said you desired. But if you truly desire it, you will pursue it. If you truly desire God, you will pursue him with everything that you have. If we really say we love God and we say that we want God and we desire God, we're going to move towards God regardless of what it costs. God, if it costs me friends, God, if it costs me time, God, if it costs me my job, God, if it costs me speaking to some family members and being in close fellowship with some family members, God, whatever it costs, I want you above all else. Now, I know that that's not a popular thing to say in this culture of we've got to love everybody and accept everybody and tolerate everybody. But God, if I've got to cut some people off because they're dragging me backwards instead of pushing me towards you, God, if my family members are not acting right and it's pulling me away from you, then God, I'm going to have to cut them off because my desire is for you above all else. I can come back and get them later. But for now, God, I got to get a hold of you and I got to pursue you. What matters is keeping our eyes on Jesus and the goal and the prize that he has for us at the finish line. If we do that, God will get us where he wants us to be. But it takes this. It takes dying to ourself. Dying to ourself. Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You are a living dead person. You are a living dead person, and dead people stink. They do. Dead people stink. When the anointing comes, though, the stench of human flesh is erased. The stench of our human flesh is erased when we live in the anointing. The anointing is the supernatural enabling of God. It empowers you to speak words of life when your flesh is being crucified. It will enable you to see the resurrection when you're still hanging on the cross and to speak words of deliverance when you're still in the prison. The anointing will cause you to prosper when you don't have a dollar to change. The anointing will give you joy when sorrows all around you and victory in the midst of defeat. There is a supernatural and doing power of God through the Holy Ghost that will keep your flesh from stinking when it should stink. If you got the anointing of God, you don't stink the way that other people stink. And I ain't talking about a natural stink. I'm talking about the stench that our flesh gives off by the way we act. The stench that our flesh gives off when we act out in our flesh, when we yell at people and flip out, when we do things that God said not to do, when we're out laying drunk and when we're out doing things that God said not to do, that is a stench that our flesh gives off, this dead flesh that we live in. But if we are under the anointing of God and we're walking in obedience to God, it covers the stench of our flesh. There is a supernatural enabling of God that will take you from the pit to the palace no matter what your circumstances are today. There is no need in your life that God has not already made provision for. 
There's no need in your life that God has not already provided for. If you need health, he's got it. If you need peace, he's got it. If you need joy, he's got it. If you need finances, he's got it. If you need some sort of emotional healing, if you need a relationship healing, whatever it is, God has already made provision for that and Jesus paid for it on the cross. God knows who you are and he has a predestined divine assignment for your life. His desire is to show you a way out of the pit you're in. Dr. Oral Roberts used to say, Jesus came to take off what the devil put on you and to put back on you everything the devil took off. The devil comes and he robs you of certain things and then he puts other things on you. And when he robs you of certain things and puts other things on you, he will rob you of peace and he'll put depression on you. He'll rob you of health and he'll put cancer on you. He'll rob you of joy and he'll put sadness on you. He'll rob you of peace in your house, in your relationships, and he will put turmoil and fighting on you. He will do all of those things. But what Jesus came to do was to take back the turmoil and put the peace back on your household. He came to take back the cancer and put the health back on your, your body. He came to take back the sadness and give you your joy. He's already made provision for that. Jesus came to stop the forces of hell that are ravaging and raging in your life. Jesus came to put a no entry sign around your soul written in his blood. Jesus sits in resurrected splendor, pointing his finger under the nose of the devil. Amen. But here's what we've got to do. We've got to begin to, by faith, by faith, we ignore what the circumstances look like around us. We ignore what the circumstances look like around us. This is not a denial of circumstances. This is not a denial that we're in a problem, but this is ignoring all of the symptoms, ignoring all of the things that it looks like, ignoring all the negative thoughts and ideas that we have about what's going on around us. And we have got to begin to have faith. Second Corinthians 4.18, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, and the things which are not seen are eternal. We can't look at the things around us and determine what's going on. You see, we've got to start to look in the spirit by faith and see what God has for us and what he has promised us. We've got to. You can't look at all the natural surroundings because in the natural stuff's swirling and the waves are churning and the winds are blowing and the clouds are rolling in and it's starting to lightning and it's starting to rain and you're in the middle of this storm and if you start to look at the things around you you will lose sight of the things that God has for you in the spirit you will lose sight of your faith and you will begin to doubt the Bible says look at the things that are not seen look at the things that are eternal if an airplane pilot is up in the air, he has got to learn to rely on his gauges because he cannot rely on his line of vision all the time. Sometimes he's flying through clouds and sometimes he's flying through storms. Sometimes he's flying in the dark and he can't see. But if he will rely on his gauges, if he will look at his gauges, 
He will know his altitude. He will know where he's at. He'll know the things that are going on around him by his gauges. And so you've got to start to learn to look at your spiritual gauges instead of looking at the circumstances around you all the time. You've got to ignore what the circumstances look like. And that's hard for us to do because a lot of the time we, we tend to operate in the natural. We tend to operate in the flesh and we tend to operate by what we can see and hear and feel and touch. And we tend to operate with the things that are natural around us. And we have to stop doing that and we have to look in the spirit. We have to look in the spirit. We serve a God who is capable and willing to successfully navigate our lives from where we are to where he said we're going to end up. Psalm 37, 23 through 24, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. You did not find the will of God, you are in it if you're walking in obedience. You do not find the will of God, you're walking in it. God knows about your troubles, your trials, your temptations. He has seen it all from the start to the beginning. They serve purpose. Your difficulties may be a result of your temporary return to the flesh, but they may be simply part of God's refining process. We're all going through a refining process. Is anyone in this building or watching on Facebook perfect? If you are, please come talk to me because I'd sure like to know how you got there. If any one of us was perfect, we would not be here right now. But we are in a refining process and as spiritual as we think we are and as together as we think we have it and as put together as we look, we've got our hair done up just right and we've got our clothes on just right and we, we go about and we do certain things and we think we have poise and we think that we're just so proper as much as we try to have it all together, we're a mess. We're a mess. And a lot of the time, the ones that look like they have it the most together are the biggest mess. And so we're all in this refining process. We're all in this process of having these rough edges taken off of us and God is trying to get us to a certain place. Your problems are gonna be eclipsed by his power. Your trials will become testimonies. Your tribulations will turn into triumphs and your pit will one day be exchanged for a palace. But you've got to stay in the will of God and you've gotta stop looking at the things in the natural and start having faith that God is there in the midst of it and he's carrying you through. You've got to have faith in God. Can I tell you tonight, Christ lives in you. Christ lives in you according to the word of God. Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me. We don't, we don't need to try to do things on our own. We can't live anymore because we're dead men's bones. Christ lives inside of us. We serve a sovereign God. The apostle Paul spoke of the purpose and the design of everything that God has released into your life. Second Corinthians 4.1 says, therefore seeing we have this ministry as we have received mercy, we faint not. Paul said, we're being called into service. We're being called into ministry. 
He's talking about your ministry. He's talking about your gifts of service, whatever that is in the body of Christ. We've all been called to do something for the body of Christ. We've all been called to do something for the kingdom. Tonight, you are God's and he is yours. You are God's and he is yours. He paid full price for you. God paid full price for you. Did you ever think about that? Like he didn't go to the yard sale and he didn't go with a coupon down to Kohl's and get you off the sale rack. He didn't go to Goodwill and find you. He didn't go to the garbage dump and find you. He paid full price. He saw such value in you that he paid full price for you. You might not see any value in yourself, but God paid full price for you, and he has a plan and a purpose for your life. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans of peace and not of evil to give you a hope and an expected end. God does have a future for you. He is your alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. He shows us where we are. He shows us where we're going to end up. God in his foreknowledge did not just casually declare that you're going to end up in a certain place. He has it planned out. And if we will stay obedient and we will have faith in him, he will get us to where we're going to be. But the challenge is to hold on to that faith in these difficult times that we're going through. In the difficult times when we don't see God moving the way that we think he should move and as quickly as he should move. We think that God should move on our timeline, always. We are an impatient people. We're an impatient people. It's just the bottom line of it. And society has programmed us to be even more impatient. Society has pushed us to be so impatient because everything is instant anymore. You can, anything that you possibly could think of is instant. We are in such an instant society. If I need to know the answer to something, when we were growing up, and some of you didn't even have this luxury, when we were growing up, when we wanted to know something, we had to go and we had to find an encyclopedia. The Encyclopedia Britannica. All 357 volumes in alphabetical order, and you had to know what you were looking specifically for, and then when you would find the topic, you would, you would read it and find out the little paragraph of information that it had about that, or it would say, refer to this topic, and then you would have to put that book back on the shelf and go get the other book, but you had to actually go through a process to learn about something. And a lot of the time, it was just very basic knowledge of the thing that was printed in the encyclopedia. Now, if I wanna know something, I say, hey Siri. I'm listening. She says, I'm listening. And you start to ask her questions. And Siri tells you everything you need to know. In-depth information. 
I could get on YouTube tonight and learn how to do a surgery if I wanted to. That is the, the instant society that we live in. If I'm hungry, if you were hungry and you wanted to make a chicken stew, my great-grandparents had to go get the chicken. They didn't have Campbell's in a can. You had to go get the chicken. And then you had to get the stuff to make noodles. And you had to get the vegetables out of the garden. You had to get all of the ingredients together. Now, if you want some chicken soup, all you've got to do is get a can opener and a microwave, and you've got some chicken soup. And yeah, hopefully there's electric, unless you live in Heinemann. Then there's no electric. There's no electric and no cell phone service. But if you want, if you want anything in the world, it's almost instant. You want a burger? Go to the drive-through. You know, we have this instant society and we get frustrated with God because God doesn't move instantly. God moves outside of our realm of time and imagination, outside of our thoughts and expectations. God takes his time to move because he will often move in ways that we don't even see or think about and God wants the best for us. And so God will wait till we're prepared a lot of the time in order to give us what we want or or he will wait and he will work things out of us. He'll bring certain things so that we're ready when he does do what, what it is that we're asking him to do. And so when we expect God to move instantly, well, that's when we get frustrated with him. And that's when we get mad and we start to yell at God and say, God, you're taking forever on this thing. Here I am getting old and here I am, you know, my hair's getting gray and my knees are getting bad and God, my back's shot and my, my hips are going out. And, and we look at God and we say, God, when are you going to do this? But God is not confined to our timetable. God's not confined to our timetable. God can move whenever and however he chooses and he sees the big picture. And so we've got to be prepared that, and we've got to trust God's timing and we've got to trust God's process. Can I tell you tonight that God loves you so much? God loves you so much that he has the very best for you at heart. He does not want any ill to come to you. He does not want anything bad to come to you. You might be in the pit, but God has provided a way out. And if you will trust his timing and if you will trust his process and instead of getting frustrated with him, if you will just have faith through it all and wait on the Lord, you know, the clay, the Bible compares us to clay. It says we're clay on the potter's wheel. Well, guess what? We are just a lump of clay and that lump of clay, if you've ever gone to art class and seen the lump of clay on the potter's wheel, you can put that lump of clay on the potter's wheel and you can leave it there for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. It cannot do anything for itself except that the potter come and start to mold it and make it into what he wants it to be. The clay has no power in and of itself. And that's where we're at. We have no power in and of ourselves. But if we will trust God, the potter, who is the one who molds us and the one who gives us blessing and the one who takes care of us, if we will trust him, he will turn us into something amazing. He will turn us into 
something of beauty. Don't quit in the middle of God's plan. Trust him even in the difficult times. Trust him in the process of the refining. Trust him and hold on and you will see purpose and he will provide a way out. We've all got to start to submit to the principle that God is God and we're not. God is God and we're not. As much as we'd like to think we have control and as much as we'd like to think we know what's best, God is God and we're not. And if we're believing him and we're trusting him, he's going to take care of us. And it might hurt. It might feel bad. Can I tell you, Paul had a thorn in his flesh. He said, I asked God to remove it. And God wouldn't take it away. And here's what God told me. My grace is sufficient for you. God basically said, you're going to have to live with this and my grace is going to help you get through it. It's painful. Yes, whatever it is. People don't, don't quite agree on what that thorn was for Paul. A lot of people have speculated what it might be, but Paul had that thing that he had to deal with and everybody has something that they've got to deal with. Different people have different problems that will follow them for the rest of their life. But God is saying, my grace is sufficient for you. He's saying, I'll take care of you in the middle of it. He's saying, I'll watch over you. I'll protect you. He's saying, have faith and trust that I am God. We're not God. We're not God. God's prophetic vision is his roadmap that shows us the way out of the pit and guides the church. If we'll get into the word of God and we'll build our faith, just like we were talking about, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We've got to dig into this word of God. We've got to dig into the Bible. If we want faith, we've got to get into the Bible. We've got to dig in. There's no two ways about it. I know that it's not easy a lot of the time. You have to carve out some time to spend with the Lord. And it's not easy to do that. We all live busy lives. But sometimes... There are small changes that we could make that will help us to get into the presence of God, that, that we can spend some more time with God. There are small changes that we could all make. Maybe we could get up 15 minutes earlier. Maybe we could go to bed 15 minutes earlier. You know, maybe we could spend less time doing something unproductive. These phones are incredible but they also are the ruination of our society. They are, yes, and video games, yeah. Electronics are incredible. They're an incredible tool, but they're the ruination of society because we spend so much time, wasted time, really. And the founders of, of these organizations like Facebook and the founders of these social media networks will tell you that the object and the goal when they created them was to get people hooked. They will say that, that the goal when they made them was to get people to spend as much time on them as possible. It's an escape from reality. It's a, it's a distraction. And really, the more time you spend on them, the more time you want to spend on them because that's how they were designed. And maybe... If we shut off Facebook for 15 minutes a day, we could get into the real book and spend some more time with God. 
So there are things that we could all do to carve out more time, but we've got to do it. We've got to put in the wrench work. And that's another thing that our society deals with. We deal with impatience because we want everything instantly. And we deal with, we want everything handed to us. We want everything just given to us. We don't want to work for it. Just give it to us. Just lay it on me, God. Just, God, just put your word in my brain. And it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. So we've got to be prepared to put in the work. And we've got to be prepared to spend some time doing what it is that God said we could do to get closer to him. He gave us the roadmap to get closer to him. He told us exactly what we needed to do. So all we've got to do is follow through and do what it is that he asked. Amen. Stand to your feet tonight, if you will. If you need special prayer tonight, I definitely want to pray for you. If you are not a believer, please don't leave this building without speaking to me because I definitely want to pray with you and I want to see God move in your life. You know, God is expecting of us even greater in these last days. He's expecting us to do more for his kingdom. He's expecting us to to dig deeper. We're called out to be separate. And as the days go on, we're going to be even more separate. We're going to be even more weird to the world. We're going to look even more different to the world. They're not going to accept us. But we've got to be okay with that because we know the truth. And we've got to be willing to be bold with our faith. But in order for us to do that, in order for us to be prepared for the days that are out and ahead of us, we've got to be prepared ourselves. We've got to prepare ourselves now. We've got to get into the Word of God even more so now. We've got to be strong in our faith, bold in our faith now, so that when those times come, we're ready to do it. If you don't do it now, you're definitely not going to do it then. So let's get into our Word. Let's get into the faith. Let's strengthen our faith by the word. Father God, tonight, we thank you in this place for your word. We thank you in this place, God, because Lord, you have given it to us. God, you have given us this book, the Bible, to live by. And God, your word says that faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God. And so God, tonight, we want more faith and God, that's going to take digging into your word. That's going to take spending time in your word. That's going to take, God, not shrinking back when, God, we're called out to be separate. God, that's going to take setting ourselves aside and setting ourselves apart, consecrating ourselves. So, God, tonight I, I pray that you'll help us all to do that. God, I pray that the people who are in the midst of the pit right now, in the midst of the trial, Lord, that they would know that you are there with them. And God, that you're carrying them through. Refine them, God. Refine us all as we, as we go through this faith walk. And God, as we have difficult days, help us to understand that you are our source and you're our strength. And God, you have our best interest at heart. God, you don't want bad things for us. You want good things. So God, right now, I thank you. And God, I ask right now that you would watch over us. You would keep us till we get back together again. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Faith Talk podcast. If you would like to connect with the host, you can do so on Facebook at Caleb Schaefer Ministry, on Instagram at Caleb underscore Schaefer, or by visiting www.calebschaefer.com. Be sure to check out Caleb's worship albums on iTunes, Amazon Music, and wherever digital music is sold or streamed. If you've been encouraged today, please share this podcast with your friends and loved ones. May God bless you, and remember to tune in next week for another episode of the Faith Talk Podcast.